Please uh, keep in prayer Maryland and Galen Strain as they lost uh, Maryland's mother, Vivian Seavers. She passed away, and her visitation will be from 12 to 1 on Tuesday, funeral at 1 o'clock, and that will take place in Nokomis, Illinois, at the Steele Dawson Funeral Home. So please remember those families uh, as they go through the grieving process. Also want to let you know uh, about an incredible day that took place yesterday in Decatur, Illinois, the fourth annual Intentional Church Conference. It was a joint partnership effort between Lincoln Christian University, Illini Christian Ministries, and several of the Decatur area Christian churches. You may not know it, but once a month, myself and Ernie and Jim and Adam get together and head to the Chinese buffet in Forsyth, and we eat Chinese with about 15 to 20 other Christian church ministers, and it's a wonderful time for fellowship, and for the last four years, we've put this conference on together. We had a special guest speaker yesterday. His name is David Clark. And he is the preaching minister at a church in Beloit, Wisconsin. And uh, if you attended yesterday, we raise your hand. We had 20 from our church that went, and these individuals would tell you what a blessing it really was to be able to be there. Uh, I'm hoping many more of you will join us next year as we uh, participate in the fifth annual Intentional Church Conference. Also want to let you know, Families at First is just around the corner. It launches for the winter and spring in a week and a half, Wednesday, January the 26th. Um, beginning with the first Wednesday in February, we'll be going through Walk Through the New Testament. Our friend Doug Maris will be back with us. Many of you participated in Walk Through the Old Testament. And we're going to ask you to make a commitment next week, starting next week, if you're going to be able to participate in Walk Through the New Testament. Doug will actually be with us at the end of each service to kind of give us a little preview of what Walk Through the New Testament will be. And how, how can I forget this? We are... Uh, 14 days into B90X, our 90-day biblical extreme adventure. And I know many of you are participating. I'm hearing really cool stories. Um, I put this blog together. I'll talk about that in just a moment. But somebody got on the blog last night and said they were walking into the YMCA yesterday. And they had their Bible with them. They were going to do some treadmill time and and read the Bible at the same time. And they said someone stopped them and said, you've got your Bible. Are you part of that church that's doing that crazy reading plan? And she had heard about it, part of a different church in town. And she's wanting to be a part of it. She's wanting more information about it. Um, I really am passionate. I hope you are passionate that God's word makes just an incredible difference in my life, in your life, in our lives. And I would love to see, this is probably a dream that maybe you're saying can't happen, but I would love to see revival break out in Clinton, Illinois, DeWitt County, Illinois, Central Illinois, because people are saying, wow, those Christian church people are diving into God's word. There's 100 people, there's 200 people, there's 300 people that are spending 45 minutes every day diving in to God's Word. So if you're where my wife and my daughter were, they're going through this, and they got to Friday night, and they were three days behind. And I know what, was, what they were thinking in their mind. Is it worth it? Should we continue on? Let me tell you how they spent their Friday night. They, they went to Jordan's room and you know covered up in the blankets and spent the entire night reading through the book of Numbers so they could catch up. And I asked them afterwards, was it worth it? They said, absolutely. So I want to just encourage you this morning to dive in, to stay faithful. If you didn't commit to do it, join us. We've got reading plans back at the Welcome Center 
I really believe God's word will make all the difference in my life and your life as we strive to make a difference for Christ today. Let me give you a review of where we're at. And I know we've got the flags up here, so some of you may need to, uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But week one and two of B90X uh, is in the books. And basically, through our 14 days of reading, we've studied Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. And today we start, actually, we continue in the book of Deuteronomy. And that's the Pentateuch, first five books of the Bible. Uh, A lot of history built in there, a lot of laws and rules and regulations. But in the midst of it, I just was blown away reading through the book of Numbers, how many great narratives there are in the book of Numbers that have relevance for our lives today. Well, week three starts tomorrow, and week three we'll, uh, we'll wrap up the book of Deuteronomy, and then we'll dive into Joshua and Judges. The book of Joshua is the story of God's people finally uh, taking claim to the promised land, the land of Canaan. It's a bloody book, I'll just tell you right now. There's a lot of violence in the books of Joshua and Judges, but there's a lot of truth to grab a hold of life lessons for us today. And then next Sunday morning, I'm going to talk uh, from Judges chapter 11, the story of one of the judges. And when you think of judges, you probably think of great heroes like Deborah, or maybe Gideon comes to mind, or maybe even Samson. I'm going to talk about the judge Jephthah. That's a hard word to even say, Jephthah. But we're going to look at Jephthah's life and discover this incredible truth that theology, good theology, isn't optional. Faith is really important, but but good theology is essential as well. And again, let's put the blog address up there. If you haven't checked it out yet, let me encourage you to do do it, uh, www.gregtaylorfcc.wordpress.com. And I would encourage you as you're reading, if you have questions or you have comments or something really grabs you to dive in and participate in our blog. Well, today we're in the book of Deuteronomy. Last week we looked at the story of Jacob and Esau. And how Esau gave up all God had in store for him. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Esau was the plan. And he gave it all up for what? You remember? A bowl of stew. And I actually had a bowl of stew this week for supper. And as I was eating that bowl of stew, I thought about this story in Genesis chapter 25. The incredible, incredible price that he paid. Well, today we're in the book of Deuteronomy, and a lot happened between Genesis 25 and the book of Deuteronomy. And I'm going to give you the real quick Reader's Digest catch-you-up version. Um, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, uh, good times in many ways. Joseph goes to Egypt and becomes the vice president, not really, but second in command in all of Egypt. And he calls for his father and his brothers, and there's 70 that come, and and they enter the land of Egypt. And life is good. Life is grand. Life is as good as it can be. But over a period of about 400 years, things go from really good to really bad. And God's people... Go from the cream of the crop, living in a wonderful, wonderful part of the land, to being slaves. They grow from 70 to almost 600,000 men. That doesn't even mention the women and the children. And yet God has a plan for his people. And he raises up Moses. And Moses and his brother Aaron, they lead them out of the promised land. You, You probably remember the story. 
the plagues, the, the death of the firstborn, the, the exodus out of Egypt, the provision. And as the book of Deuteronomy is written, Moses is getting ready to pass the torch to Joshua. God's people have wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Wrap your mind around that for just a moment. I'm 41. I'm going to turn 42 this summer. 40 years is a long, long time. And an entire generation has died. And as the book of Deuteronomy is given from the Lord to Moses to pass on to his people, they are very, very close to entering the promised land. But before they go into the promised land, before they go into this land flowing with what? Milk and honey. God says, let's remind my people one more time of my law, my covenant. What? matters most. This message this morning from Deuteronomy talks about the, the, the passion, the priority, how it is essential that we be people that remember. That's our call. Our call is to remember. And I want to start this morning with the Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6. You've probably heard it before. Jesus quoted it when he said, this is the most important of all the commandments. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. How many of you have heard that before? Many of us, right? We know that. If you're like me, you probably stop reading right there at verse 5. Now, that passage of Scripture right there would make a great sermon. In fact, we've preached that passage of Scripture. Jesus quoted it in Mark chapter 12. That was one of our 13 verses that we studied last summer in our Summer in the Sun. What I want you to grab a hold of today is the rest of the story. Listen to how this passage of Scripture continues on with verse 6. Moses says the words of the Lord to his people, These commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And if you listen, if you really pay attention, the message is simple. It's relevant for God's people as they're getting ready to enter the promised land. And my friends, it's relevant for you today in 2011 we are called to remember and we are called to pass on what we know, what we love, what we live to our children, to our grandchildren, to the next generation, to help them fall in love with their church, to help them fall in love with their Lord. To help them understand, church isn't just something that we do at 8.15 on Sunday morning so we can pat ourselves on the back and feel really good about ourselves all week as we go about and live our lives. That's not what church is all about. Church is about coming and worshiping the Lord that's blessed us ridiculously. Listen to the language that, that is used here. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk on the road. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your houses and your door frames and your gates. The point's really simple. Don't let your family, don't let those who are closest to you ever forget what is most important about faith and life 
with the Lord. The purpose of the book of Deuteronomy, if I were to just give you a one-sentence purpose statement, the purpose of of the book of Deuteronomy is to remind the Israelites about all they've learned while wandering in the desert for 40 years. I shared in my blog uh, Friday that as we wrapped up the book of Numbers uh, and, and we're ready to enter the promised land, we're excited to go from life in the wilderness, tough times, to life in the promised land. But Lord says, hold on, slow down, slow down, slow down. We need to take a time out. We need to remind my people who I am, the covenants I've established, what matters most. Thirteen times in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses tells God's people to remember. And that's the word I really want to burn in your your mind this morning, is that word, remember. Now, I want to leave Deuteronomy for a moment, and I want to enter into 2011. I want to talk about our culture today, because I believe that our lives in America today call us to remember many different things regularly, and you're going to get to do some audience participation. You didn't know on this cold, uh, bustler morning that you were going to get to come out and actually participate, but on your outline, you've got blanks. Right now, I want you to write down one thing that as you live your life, you are called to recite, or you are called to remember. Go ahead, work on it right now. What's something in your day in, day out life and activities that you are called to remember? Maybe in your church life. Maybe it's something that you do at, at your job. Maybe if you're a student, it's something that you have to do all the time at school. What's something that we're called to remember on a regular basis to recite in our lives today? And who's going to be, first service isn't a real shouted out type of crowd. So I need some of you to step outside your comfort zone and share with me this morning. What's something you are, you are forced to remember? Your life says you need to remember, recite, recall on a regular basis. Anybody? You have to, what's that? I can't hear you. She says Philippians 4.13. Okay, a Bible verse. Okay. What's something else? Work starts at 7. There you go. What's something else you have to remember? Yes. The flags are up here. That's good. Very good. The Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. How many of you remember the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag? Anybody? What about the Pledge of Allegiance to the Christian flag? Anybody remember that? What about Pledge of Allegiance to the Bible? Remember that? I hope you do. You're going to be in good shape in about five minutes. Okay? Somebody else. What? Yes. What's that? 9-11. That's right. What else? Yes. Oh, to take your medicine. That's right. Family. That's right. Hey, put that next slide up here for a minute. Where were you on September 11, 2001? I bet everybody in this room that's old enough to remember that date can remember exactly where they were on Tuesday, September 11. 2001. How many of you can remember? I'm not going to make you come up. How many of you can remember? How many of you can remember where you were on January 28, 1986? Anybody? You remember what happened that day? What happened that day? Space shuttle blew up. I was pretending to be sick because I didn't want to have to turn in my junior research paper that day. I was at home and I was actually watching TV when they broke in and gave the story. That was two days after the Bears won the Super Bowl, believe it or not. I, I don't know why I remember that. 
That's where I was. What about November 23rd? I hope I have that date right. 1963. What happened then? President Kennedy was assassinated. Is it, is it 23rd or 22nd? 22nd. Okay, we'll fix that later, Chris. It's my fault. My fault. Where were you on December 7, 1941? Some of you remember that. No, how many of you remember that? What happened on that Sunday, right? It was a Sunday. Pearl Harbor. Why, why do we remember those dates? If I asked you where were you on January, what is today? January the 16th? Where were you on January 16, 1994? Could you tell me? Of course not. Of course not. Why do we remember those dates? Because events took place that didn't just change your personal life. What did they do? They changed the life of our country in so many ways. Ways. We're called to, to remember. Next slide. I can't remember what's next. Next slide. Why do we celebrate Veterans Day? Why do we celebrate the 4th of July? Why do we celebrate Memorial Day? You know why we celebrate Veterans Day, November 11th? Why do we do it? To remember all the people that have served our country and are serving our country. We're called to remember. Why do we celebrate the 4th of July? What's so special about the 4th of July? The Declaration of Independence. That's right. And especially for, for those of us who are, are younger and maybe we've just been blessed by American life, it's important to be reminded. It's not just a holiday. It's not just a time to go watch the fireworks or go to the parade and get free candy. It's a reminder that we live in a land that's free and a whole bunch of people in our world do not live in a land that's free. It's a huge, huge holiday. We're called to remember freedom. What about Memorial Day? It used to be called Decoration Day. What's Memorial Day about? Remember? Remember those who have paid the ultimate price fighting for their country. These are great, important days to remember. See, you may not realize it, but much of your life is wrapped up around remembering. We are called to remember. Okay, everybody stand up with me. We're going to see how well we do here. Put your hand over your heart and join me. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Awesome. Now keep going with me. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands. One brotherhood united all Christians in service and in love. One more time. We don't do our heart. We put our hands forward. I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Its words will I hide in my heart that I might not sin against God. You can be seated. Every Sunday morning at 9.30, if you were to go downstairs, my wife and a team of volunteers gather your first through third graders together. And guess what they do every week? Some of you do it. Pledge to the flag, pledge to the Christian flag, pledge to the Bible. And most of them don't show up at 8.15. So that's why they're not on stage doing it with us today. Why do we do that? Is it just a time filler? Is it just something neat that I want to do? Because we want to reinforce this call to remember. Remember your allegiance to your country. Remember your allegiance to Christ. Remember the priority 
of God's Word. We are called to remember. I am a member of the Clinton Rotary Club. We have any Rotarians with us today? Russ is there. Anybody else from Rotary here? Every Tuesday we get together and we have a lunch gathering. And as the meeting gets ready to begin, we do several things. We do the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. We sing, uh, we, we sing uh, God Bless America. Is that right? I think I've got that wrong. I don't know. We, we sing a patriotic song. I'm freezing. I pray. And then we do our four-way test. I almost stole it today, but I didn't want to get in trouble with my Rotarian brothers. But here's the four-way test. We all say this. Is it the truth? Is it fair to all concerned? Will it build goodwill and better friendships? Will it be beneficial to all concerned? Why do we do that every single week? Why do we have a huge banner? You know why? Because every time I go to Rotary, no matter what's happening, no matter what the menu is, no matter what the program is, I walk away being reminded why I'm a Rotarian. It's not just a lunch club. It's not just a time to hang out with guys like Russ and John Heap and Jerry Milton and others. We're a service club. We exist to make a difference in the lives of others. How many of you have had children that are a part of a YMCA sport? Basketball, flag football, whatever it may be. Put that next slide up there. Before your students play their games, they get together, and we could bring some students up here, and they make this pledge. I pledge to play the game the best I can, to be a team player, to respect my opponents, the rules and officials, and to improve myself in spirit, mind, and body. And if it's flag football, the students go out and have a good time, and the parents get ready to fight on the sidelines. That's what it, No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That was for Ernie and Colin. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It reminds us why we have our kids, not just in some rec club, but the YMCA sports club. It helps us remember. I know this has been kind of a long exercise right here. And some of you are looking at your watches. Don't worry, it's only 9 o'clock. We've got lots of time still. But I wanted to drive home into your mind how much you really do remember and how many different times you are forced to remember as you live your life, day in, day out. Now, let's go back to the book of Deuteronomy real quickly. Deuteronomy chapter 8 is a call to remember. And as we get to this chapter, the priority in chapter 8 for the Lord to give to Moses to pass on to the people is to remember the blessings of the Lord. Let me just read a few verses for you. Verse 1, he says, Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all in this way, in the desert, these 40 years, to humble you, to test you, in order that what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Does that verse sound familiar to you? You know who quoted that verse? Jesus during his temptation. He quoted that verse to, to counteract the temptation of Satan. Let me read on verse four. Your clothes did not wear out. Your feet did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines a son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him. Here's the first point. There's only really two points to Deuteronomy chapter eight. And point one is this. 
God is calling his people to remember the Lord's blessings when times are tough. And my friends, times were tough in the wilderness. If you're reading through Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, you know times are tough. And God's people, you're not supposed to say stupid in church, okay? You're not supposed to do that. But I'm going to use that word because I can't think of a better word. God's people are really stupid as they go through these 40 years in the wilderness. Now, guess what? We're pretty stupid a lot of the time as well, aren't we? If we're being honest. We're being honest. But here's the point. God calls on his people to remember his blessings even when times are tough. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers into Deuteronomy, the Lord reminds him, I cared for you and provided for you even when you were slaves. I, I poured out these plagues on Pharaoh and his people so he would let you go. As you were leaving, Pharaoh changed his mind and I saved you miraculously. The miracle at the Red Sea. The text speaks of how they were led by the Lord in the wilderness. A pillar of cloud during the day, a pillar of fire by night, Exodus 13. And the Lord fed them manna and then quail, giving them just enough for the day at hand. There was always more to be provided the next day. The Lord's saying, remember these 40 years. Remember how when times were tough, I was always there for you. That's a lesson for us today. When times are tough, the Lord is there for you. God's people are there for you. Lesson number two, I want to do this quickly. Remember the Lord's blessings when things are good. Remember the Lord's blessings when things are good. Israel was getting ready to leave tough times and enter into the promised land. And the Lord knew that as that happened, he was going to give them victory after victory after victory after victory. And he knew that the temptation for them in many ways was that when times were not so tough and times suddenly improved to not really feel the need to rely on the Lord quite as much. Verse uh, 11 says, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. Verse 19, if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today, you will surely be destroyed. Now, I have to tell you, I see this play out in Clinton, Illinois, in 2011. You're saying, what are you talking about? We don't, have, we don't enter into the promised land. How, how can that play out? Here's what I mean by that. Um, many a person in the four and a half years I've been here has come to me during a time of crisis for spiritual encouragement, for spiritual reinforcement. And I want you to know, that's why we're here. That's why Kent is here and Ernie is here and I'm here and Jim and Ab. We, we want you to do that. Nothing Uh, blesses my soul more than to be able to pray for you when you're going through a tough time. I want you to know that. That's a passion. That's a priority. That's why First Christian Church, I think, is such a special place. Because you've got a guy like Ken Hickerson that's been doing that for almost 28 years. But but here's what I see with many of these people sometimes, maybe you, is that when times get a lot better, and the crisis subsides, and life is good, maybe I don't need the the church anymore. Maybe I don't need to be in worship anymore. My life's good right now. I don't need that spiritual fill-up week in, week out. And the Lord says, remember me when times are tough, but do not forget me when I bless you. Do not forget me when times are good. 
Well, I want to go back to 2011. And I want to leave you today with three challenges. And I said last week that this is really a message, I think, for parents and for grandparents. If you have someone in your life, if you have a, a protege in your life that you're making a difference with, I want to just leave you with three challenges. And challenge number one is this. Do not forget, remember how this church has been blessed. And this is a special, special church. I love our church in so many ways. And I brought some props with me today. And I have right here a photo that many of you may not have seen. And I'm going to actually kind of walk down the aisle here. This is Easter Sunday, 1931. And on Easter Sunday, 1931, not at this location, different location, 1,203 people came together to worship. Shirley Weichel's mom and dad are in this picture. Genevieve, you're in here, aren't you, somewhere? Okay? And when I see this picture... It almost moves me to tears, even though Genevieve's the only person that I know probably that was in that picture. There's actually probably more. You know why it moves me to tears? Because it reminds me that our church is much more than just a Greg Taylor show or a Kent Hickerson show or an Ernie Harvey show or a Russ Utterback show or a Jim Weichel show or a Tim Winthy show. There's a legacy that's been in existence not for 100 years, Not for 150 years. This year, for 158 years, this church has been making a difference in our community. And if you're a lifelong member of this church, or if you've been a part of this church for a long time, maybe decades, you ought to not just feel good about that. You ought to have pride in that. You ought to love your church. Know your church. Share the good things that your church does. I'm holding in my hands right now something that Kent gave me a couple weeks ago that some, probably somebody in here gave to him. I can't remember who. But it is the Clinton Journal News Report of the death of the Reverend Harry Wheaton. Now, he was our preacher for 24 years from 1928 to 1952. A lot of great things happened during that time. Some, some tough things happened during that time. Do you know that this church had a fire that destroyed its building in December of 1945? And that this church didn't close their doors. This church didn't say, even though times were tough, the war just ended, that they continued to be a body of believers that made a difference. And for three and a half years, they were a mobile church. And that's long before being a mobile church was hip and cool. It's, it's cool now to be a mobile church. It wasn't cool back then. They didn't have the money to rebuild yet. And for three and a half years, they went to places like the Knights of Pythias Hall. I don't even know where that is. I don't even know what a Knight of Pythias is. But they met at their hall for three and a half years. They met at the YMCA. They met at the courthouse. Because they said, what we're a part of is something special. I was reading old elders minutes. You know you've got too much time on your hands when you're reading elders minutes from 1952. Let me just tell you. But the last request of Reverend Harry Wheaton, recorded in our church history, was the ability to purchase 300 tracts about Christian doctrine. That's a man after my own heart. And that's part of our legacy. That's part of your legacy. Remember how incredibly blessed your church is. If you're not in love with your church, fall in love with your church. I can't tell you enough how important it is to have people just like you carrying our banner in the community. Not obnoxiously. Not our church is better than your church. Not that type of stuff. 
but just speaking well of what a difference First Christian Church is making. Pass that on to your children. Pass that on to your grandchildren. I'll frustrate you. Your leaders will frustrate you. Keep it to yourself and pass on the passion, the love you have for your church. Number two, I want to challenge you this morning to uh, never forget your spiritual journey, your future spiritual legacy. It is so important that you remember your spiritual journey with the Lord. I think burned in your memory should be the time that you gave your heart to the Lord, you gave your life to the Lord, the time you were baptized. And you need to tell that story. You need to pass that on. Some of you have great stories because you've told me your stories. But you know what? I don't think it's that important that you tell me your stories. You can. But I think it's incredibly important that you tell your children and your grandchildren and your family and your friends what a difference your spiritual journey's made in your life and the future spiritual legacy that you will call and carry others to carry on without you. And then number three, finally, I want you to remember, do not forget what matters most as a Christ follower. Two weeks ago, I know some of you weren't here, but two weeks ago, I laid out three priorities for our church. And one of the priorities was that we really truly focus on our purpose and let the little stuff subside. I think I said it like this. We have to stop majoring in the minors. And what I mean by that is this. Remember, do not forget. Be passionate about what matters most. Now, I'm making a covenant promise to you today on behalf of our ministry staff as it relates to your children and your grandchildren. This is our pledge. Put that next slide up there, please. This is, um, actually, I don't have it up there. Go back. I'm sorry. I'm messing you up, Chris. I'm sorry. I'm a nightmare today. Here's the pledge that I want to make for you today. For the next several months, your children, whether they are grade school, junior high, or senior high, are going to be reminded of what our core values are at First Christian Church. Ernie took time in the fall to, to really go through the six staples of First Christian Church in junior church. Ernie's in the process of putting together a baptism class for, for grade school students that might be interested in becoming a Christian and being baptized. On Sunday nights, we have a reveal worship service that takes place in the cable building. We have over 50 junior high and senior high students that gather together for a time of worship, for a time of fellowship, for small groups. And Adam or another person, usually Adam, preaches 20, 25 minutes every week an important message. This entire winter and spring, the theme is back to the basics. What matters most, what you need to know most. Okay? So I want you to know, we're, we're taking that first step as a staff. We're taking that first step as a church for your children and for your grandchildren. But here's the next thing I want to say. I think it's in your bulletin. We're just part of that process. If the only time your children and grandchildren hear Christian doctrine, six staples of first Christian church, the, the, the most important aspects of the Christian faith, they're not getting it enough. I tell people all the time, Ernie's a great children's minister. Adam's a great youth minister. And I really mean that. But if that's the only influence your kids and grandkids and family has legacy-wise, spiritual legacy-wise, they're getting cheated. Some of my greatest memories of my father took place late at night when I should have been in bed and he should have been in bed. And we stayed up and we talked about what was most important about being a Christian. 
what was most important about being a person of faith. And that's a legacy that I want to never grow tired of passing on to my children and someday my grandchildren. And I want you to have that passion as well. Here's the bottom line this morning. Remembering is not a suggestion. It's not an ideal. It's not some great ideal that we strive for. Remembering is essential. And as I close one more time, I want us to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Help your children, grandchildren, family, and friends remember what really matters most. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. And thank you for uh, just the fact that, that Jesus Christ is your son. And that Jesus Christ brings us a hope that is unlike any other hope. And help us to never grow tired of telling that story. Help us to never grow weary of loving our, our church, loving you, loving faith. Help us to tell that story. Help us to never forget. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.